Disruptive Dialogue with Thomas Cotton fosters conversations from incredible people and organizations where we hope to bring different perspectives that will help innovate change in our communities, cities, and nation. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Disruptive Dialogue. My name is Thomas Cotton. Today we have with us Pastor Brian McCory Sr. Pastor, leader, visionary are a few used few words to describe Brian. He is the founding pastor of Solomon Temple Christian Ministries in Jonesboro, Georgia. The husband of 25 years to his lovely wife, Crystal McCory, and the father of five children. Pastor McCory has worked diligently and in a multitude of ways in his calling to bring lost souls to the Lord. Through many of his life trials and challenges, he has found his way to exercising the gifts that God has planned for him and planted in him for kingdom use. Through Solomon Temple's Christian ministry, Pastor McCory desires to unchurch the mindset of believers from the church tradition to Bible truth. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me, man. I'm grateful to be here. Happy grateful to have you, you know. What was Wednesday. that? It's Happy Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm grateful to have you here. You know, it, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. And uh, over the years, we have a mutual friend who has told us about one another and always want us to come together. And some months ago, you know, God put that plan together. And man, it's been a blessing ever since. Same here, man. The, the feelings mutual, brother. I appreciate everything that you're doing. Uh, anybody that is out here trying to make the world a better place is a friend of mine. So your impact to the community and to the mindsets of our young men is uh, it, it's not trailblazing, but it's blazing a trail. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's the thing. You know, a lot of people want to be trail walkers, but not many people want to be trailblazers. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I commend you on that effort, man. I appreciate that. You know, um, it's one of the things, like you said, the thing that God has put inside of us, you know, and so it's really a pleasure. It's a pleasure doing life with people like yourself and um, and being able to share this moment together to just talk about a topic that is near and dear to us, which is brokenness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we can talk about brokenness in so many different ways. And I'm sure by you working with people, you get to see a lot of brokenness, but we want to talk specifically about you as a pastor, as a leader, and the brokenness that you've experienced. So I just want to jump into your history of brokenness. Like, where do you first see brokenness show up in your life? Hmm. It's interesting. It's an interesting question, a powerful question, man, uh, that causes me to, to dig a little deep. Um, for me, there are broken areas in my life that I can uh, look back upon and think about how far I've come. But if you want to go particularly into a specific area, I would say uh, I've got a couple of significant areas where I've, I've suffered some brokenness. Uh, and I think the biggest part is acknowledging that we do get broken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, I don't have it all together. I go through my emotions. Uh, there's, there's something online. I, I think they called it emotional damage. I have that too. Um, so for me, I, I think that my first experience was probably when I got out of the military and I went from serving my country, feeling like Rambo to, uh, working in a, in a bank, a first interstate bank, downtown Beverly Hills on Wilshire Boulevard to moving to Kentucky and ending up running out of money and being homeless and living in a shelter. 
I think was a, a time that I really experienced uh, some significant brokenness. Yeah. How did that impact you as you're walking through that significant brokenness of homelessness? I mean, wow. being un unhoused is kind of a, a big challenge because, you know, that's one of the, the one things that we look forward to having. Yeah. I really didn't recognize it at first, man. Uh, a lot of it is just going back in hindsight and looking at what I was experiencing. Um, so for me, when I look back on it, it was like this uh, chronic feeling of sadness, uh, anxiety, uh, and, and I'm ashamed to say it, but, but hopelessness, man. You know, uh, I, I felt like there was this, there was this persistent feeling of, of foul, of, of emptiness uh, that was messing with my motivation, messing with my daily grind. Uh, so that's kind of what it felt like to me. I'm not really sure, you know, you wake up and you feel like, uh, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day. I don't know how I'm going to get to my next level. I don't have any resources right now that are going to take me to where I need to be. And the, the problem for me is I wasn't by myself. I had a wife and I had a child. Uh, wow. So that was really, really tough for me. So you're walking through this homeless um, event in your life with the wife, with the child, these responsibilities. Um, and the hopelessness is a key element to brokenness at times. Um, so how does that affect you at that time as a man, as somebody who just has this brokenness, this hopelessness that's going on? What are you doing to find hope in these moments? Well, it's interesting that the, the great part for me is who I came in contact with. Uh, I had a group of, interestingly enough, I had a group of women uh, in that shelter that were constantly providing encouragement. Uh, it was a struggle for me because they were providing encouragement for me, but they weren't in my situation and they weren't men. And I am, uh, <laughs> I'm a man's man. So it was, it was humbling for mm -hmm. me. Uh, it was humbling on two parts, three parts, actually. Number one, having to be encouraged by a, a group of women. Number two, having my uh, my first wife witness that, me having to get poured into when I felt like I had everything under control. Uh, and then number three, thinking about being an example for my daughter. Now, she was only four years old at the time, but it was still something that was in my head, you know? So that's a lot of what was happening uh, in terms of my struggle. And it, and it caused me to uh, have difficulty managing my emotional state, you know? Uh, my nerves were a little short because I didn't have a job. I was looking for one. Um, and so I had to keep telling myself, you know, keep looking, keep looking. Uh, the only way to find a job is if you look for one. So my full-time job became finding a job. And so those are the little things that were happening with me at the time. Today's episode is brought to you by Redemption and Advancement Alliance, whose mission is to provide innovative support to people to disrupt the cycles of incarceration and poverty. Go to www.redeem-advance.org to find out more information or make your $1,000, $100, $10, or even $1 donation to help support people who want to stay alive and free. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say through this, this period of time that you started, you're in the military 
you probably had some hope coming out of the military while you're serving your country. You get out, you go to Beverly Hills, you're making things happen. It looks good. And then you end up in Kentucky of all places and running out of money in Kentucky and end up homeless in Kentucky. Like to me, homelessness would have happened in Beverly Hills because that's expensive to live out there. But you go to Kentucky, some things had to change in between the, you know, the time that you experienced in the military to this great time in Beverly Hills to this time in Kentucky, what were some of the uh, transitions that you had to go through? So the first one was getting out of the military. But one thing that I did not uh, highlight is the fact that uh, my first wife and I were separated. That's why Mm -hmm. I was in Beverly Hills. I got out of the military and was in Beverly Hills, but I was separated, still married. So my transition to Kentucky was my attempt at reigniting uh, getting back with my wife after uh, a separation because we separated while I was in the military. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was that transition. So that's what led me to Kentucky. But what's interesting is I was going there with this mindset that I was going to conquer, mm-hmm. right? Coming from Beverly Hills with, you know, uh, rubbing elbows with the who's who, you know, I met Michael Jackson and you know, I'm I'm downtown and so I'm dealing with people and I'm the merchant teller. So I'm actually balancing, you know, the the, the reserve for the for the bank branch and all of that. So I'm hand, I'm counting the money. I'm ordering cash for the bank. So I felt really empowered. So to get to Kentucky, uh, it required uh, me humbling myself coming out of out of Beverly Hills. But um, so there was that transition. There was also just reengaging with my first wife because we were living different lives apart. Yeah. She had history, I had history, and we were trying to come back together to rekindle something. Uh, and so there were there were multiple things going on at the same time. So getting out of the military, coming into the civilian world, being separated, uh, leaving Beverly Hills, transitioning to Kentucky, which was a former stomping ground because I had been stationed at Fort Campbell, mm-hmm. and then re-engaging with my, with my first wife, trying to rekindle our relationship, so there were multiple transitions uh, going on with me at the yeah. time. You know, I, I can only imagine what that looks like in the different uh, challenges you're going through within your head, within your space of thinking, you know, where I used to be, where I'm trying to go. Um, did you experience any rejection during this time? Ooh, yeah. Um, rejection is how I ended up in the shelter. Um I was looking for a job. I didn't think I would have a problem. I'm ex-military. I worked at the bank. I, first place I went to was the bank. Mm-hmm. Hey, I worked at First Interstate Bank, downtown Beverly Hills. Yeah, well, that's not impressing us. <laughs> you know? So uh, I'm dealing with the rejection, not being able to find a job. Um, I'm dealing with uh, not having a resource because I was living, I was paying for a hotel, a weekly, you know, I had a couple of thousand dollars in my pocket, but you know, weekly hotel was about, you know, 50, 60 bucks at the time. Uh, this was in the nineties. And so I felt like I was, I, gonna, could, I was about to say, man, this goes way back. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but you know, like you, you feel like you have a handle on things until you don't. Right. Right. Uh, and so that's kind of what happened. So there was a rejection of not being able to find a job. There was the, the emotion. I, it wasn't outright rejection, but I could, feel and sense the disappointment from her. Mm-hmm. I could feel and sense the disappointment from her parents, right? Uh, and we weren't moving into their house 
to get right. our act together. So yeah, there were several areas where I felt rejected. You know, right. it was tough. So it was tough let's fast forward a little bit because you you really shared a lot of good information about your history. It's not good and mm-hmm. like it's good, but it's good information about seeing the things that you had to struggle through and things that you you've overcome. What was the turning point of you overcoming this brokenness in your life and really starting to see something different? For me, it was the acceptance of Christ. Because in that same shelter, uh, Christ was presented to me. Now, I grew up going to church and all of that. You know, you go to the church because your mom sends you to church and all, you know, but I didn't have a relationship with Christ. In that shelter, that shelter had a church connected to it, uh, one of those old school holiness churches, you know, the Bible thumping, hellfire, damnation churches, you know, Pentecostal speaking in tongues and, you know, women wearing dresses and women didn't wear pants. Women kept their heads covered. Men didn't wear short pants, couldn't wear jewelry. There was that type of environment. Uh, wow. And so being in that shelter, uh, part of the the expectation was that you would go to church while you're in the shelter. So in going through that experience, I was uh, invited uh, or, or I invited Christ into my life and they started sharing the word of God with me and they started talking about faith. And mm. I was desperate enough to hang on to every word. Uh, they started saying things like, you know, speak it until into existence, uh, claim the ground, you know, uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And, and so I started grabbing a hold of that man. And um, I, one experience happened for me. Uh, I, was, I was told that there was a, a factory about 20 miles away in Elkton, Kentucky, population 900, just outside of Russellville, Kentucky. Uh, and there was a factory, Flynn's Enterprises. They make blue jeans. Back then it was uh, stonewashed blue jeans, acid washed blue jeans. And so I was told that they were hiring. I had to hitchhike to that factory. The foreman told me they were not hiring in the morning. I held on to the words of those sisters in the church at the shelter. You have to claim it. Just tell the Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I spent the, I stayed down there because I didn't have a ride back to Russellville. Oh, wow. Um, so I stayed there and I kept saying this over and over and over. And I, and what happened is the person who told me about the job lived two doors down from the factory. Uh, so I went to his house, stayed in his son's room, watched TV. And I was just saying, thank you, Jesus. His son came home from work and said, Hey, Brian, you're in here. I'm like, yeah. He goes, Hey, they're looking for you down at the factory. I went left out of that house. And what was a no at like 10 a.m. that morning was a yes by four o'clock that afternoon. And the only wow. difference was me saying, thank you, Jesus, all day. I never said, wow. I don't know how many times I said it, but that was the turning point for me. That's that's an amazing story because, again, it's not something that like I'm going to turn this whole thing around myself. It was just literally I'm going to trust that things are working for my good. Yeah. And and that's that's a really powerful story because there's so many people who are in a broken, hopeless situation that says, you know, I use the example when people go to prison and they begin to serve the Lord. They're like, you have jailhouse religion. And, you know, this is this is not jailhouse religion, but it's similar. I'm homeless and I'm going to I'm going to say I love God and I'm start serving God. And the only difference that you did was start walking by faith. Yeah. And to me, 
Like I think about my faith. It's not blind. Faith is not blind. There's this, these moments in time where you can look back and you can say, that was a moment that I was walking by faith and I can mm -hmm. see how God's hand worked. Yeah. And so now you're moving forward. You have this, this job. It's starting to build, you know, renew renewal in you. Um, again, you're moving forward in life. You know, you have your first wife, you have a lot of different things going on. And then now you're moving forward, you're moving on. Tell us like some of the next steps. And then, you know, I want to kind of fast forward after you tell us that to a point mm -hmm. where as your things are moving forward and things are really good and, you know, more brokenness comes in the form of family and different other things. Yeah. Uh, so, so many wonderful stories to tell, so many um, blessings from the Lord. But the one thing that I'll say is that the, the challenges never stopped coming, never stopped hitting me. You know, I'm working hard. I'm doing all that. And I'm young, you know, early 20s. Uh, my first wife was early 20s. And we're trying to figure life out. And what I didn't realize is, you know, she was still holding on to something she was connected to before I came back. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in her backyard. And so she's got history there. And there's some unresolved stuff and, and I found out some things. I got frustrated. We got into it. That was still an issue. Um, things on the job. I, you know, I'm I'm driving. To, I'm riding to work with some people who don't look like me. Mm -hmm. I'm working a third shift. And the people that pick me up are driving. There's two guys picking me up, driving a pickup truck and they and they wear their hats like this. <laughs> They got long curly hair, got a shotgun in the window with the Confederate flag, right? And now we're working together. They need me on the job, but they are who they are. And so I'm having to ride to work in a pickup truck with two guys who don't look like me. I'm in the middle seat. I work from 11 at night to seven in the morning and they have no problem using the N word with me in the truck, mm. right? So I got to deal with that. I pray, Lord, get me off this shift. Get me on another shift where I can get a different ride. That happened for me. Um, heartache was the, the relationship issues with, with my first wife, not really seeing me whole, but comparing me to other men around in the, in the, in the town that were whole. Um, and and that, so what my point is that the struggles never stopped hitting me. The disruptions never stopped coming. But God had shown me enough to where I was more of a believer in my walk and my ability to come out of it because I got that job. Yeah, I got I moved to another shift. I came out of there. My, my life and it continued to elevate. So we my my, my marriage didn't work out. And I still had to continue growing. So I ended up leaving Kentucky and uh, and moving to Illinois. Mm. Another transition. <laughs> What was in Illinois? Uh, my younger brother. I had a younger brother in Illinois. He's like, hey, man, come on out, you know, uh, hang out with me for a while. So I went there, found a job, uh, new girlfriend, you know, uh, and, and life shifted from Kentucky to Illinois, which is where I was raised, about two hours uh, north of where I was living. Champagne. Yeah. So interesting thing, like you have all this transition going on. You're in your 20s. It sounds like still in your 20s. Um, and you're still trying to figure life out. Yeah. You got God in your life. You're walking by faith. There's still probably not any purpose. 
Where does that purpose start coming from? For me, at that point in my life, purpose, my purpose was to be better than yesterday. You know, I learned early during those situations and and I'll never I, I love those women uh, that I'll always have a special place in my heart for them, because what they told me is that don't let your bigs get too big. Mm. You know, when you when you have a, a, a surplus. Be a good manager, be a good steward that they use simple English for me, just manage your affairs more effectively, more carefully so that you don't find yourself in this situation again. Um, but purpose for me just became making today better than yesterday. Uh, I can't say that I had it all together because you talk about me walking by faith. Man, I was still messed up trying to figure it out. I knew who Christ was, but I wasn't I wasn't just walking upright. You know right. what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, but I did have faith. So I continued dealing with disruptions all through my experience in, in Champaign. Um, but purpose being purpose driven was really just not being homeless again. That was me. I don't want to feel like that again. I don't want to right. feel that emptiness again. I don't want to feel that sadness again. I don't want to feel that that void of employment again. I, I vowed two things. I would be employed and I would have a roof over my head. So that's what that's where I was at that time. Yeah. And at that time, I was probably 25 years old. By then. So we're kind of moving up into where you meet your new wife and um, and your current wife. Yeah. So. Let's let's talk. Let's fast forward there for the sake of time. And, you know, and then how you transition to Atlanta or were they both in the same? Sure. So uh, I ended up leaving Champagne, moving back to California. Uh, hanging out with my mom. And at that point, um, I had had. So when I got back with my first wife, we had another child. So I left there being the father of two. OK. Now, I don't know how deep you want to go, but, you know, I'm a father of five. Right. OK. So between my four-year-old being homeless and today, I had four more children, all right? Um, had a child in Champagne. Moved to California. That relationship didn't work out. So in California, Southern Cal, I ended up with my children. I was a father of three, single parent. Mm. Another, I won't call it a disruption, but there was a shift. Um, so I had my children. I was a single parent living in Los Angeles, uh, working a great job. I ended up found myself in the IT industry. That was a, it's something that happened to me, happened for me while I was in Champaign. Another faith move. Right. Uh, God gave me a job that became a career for me. Um, so I'm in Southern California working. I meet my wife on you know Friday night one night and my brother called me over to the club on a Friday night. And she's at the club. We met. She was wearing a red dress. And I'm like, so anyway, that's a another story but well you remember uh, so that's, so that's good <laughs> say it again? i say you remember so that's a good thing <laughs> oh, oh yeah oh yeah um and so we you know we started uh we started dating and and i just remember that she was a single woman driving a company car with a college degree and i'm just some dude from kankakee illinois single parent barely making it because you know i had a decent job but i was living in la i was living in inglewood you know i'm making fifty thousand dollars a year so you know fifty thousand dollars a year in inglewood even right. in the 90s nah you barely making it bro right yeah so that was my life my apartment was an I, you know i wrestled with the roaches for access to the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that's kind of where i was and so trying to be 
an example trying to be a father to my children and trying to be someone that looked like a good representation of black manhood.